Welcome to the Splinters Podcast from the team on the bench. Community Radio's leading no-holds-barred Friday night sports show. Available online and replayed on Triple H 100.1 FM. Now, here's your host, the Raging Bull, Anthony Caruso. Good evening and welcome to Splinters, the bench podcast on Triple H 100.1 FM. Streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au and available for download at podcast.com, Apple Store, YouTube Music, Spotify TuneIn and all good podcast sites. Yes, Anthony the Bull Caruso back with you this week and it's time to go from full sports to motorsports. The petrol heads are back in the studio to talk about all things Formula One and when we do that, I couldn't think of anyone better to to join us to talk about it. He is an F1 fan in his own right. Probably Daniel Ricciardo's number one fan in the world. The wise man himself, Matt Mears. Good evening to you. Uh, Good evening, Caruso. Good evening, everybody listening on all those good podcast sites that you mentioned and the bad ones as well. We'll take your downloads wherever they come from. But uh, it's nice to get back on the splinters. Um, Obviously, don't make as many... um, Trips down the Splinters Lane as I'd like um, with with my other duties in the Triple H Sports team, but as I said when there's the big ones that we and the big uh, topics to come, I love to come out for those ones. F1 is certainly one of them. Well, probably the first F1 preview in 2021, with it, with it not starting for about another 10 weeks. But even then, there is still so much to talk about, even with the first round not until the end of March. Well, absolutely. We're getting in before the likes of Matt Gallagher from WTF1. We're getting in, in ahead of the race. We're getting ahead of all of those those great podcasts because we feel that we've got the finger on the pulse right here, and we're going to go into areas that everyone will be familiar with, but few will have the ability to analyze the way that only we can do. And there's going to be plenty to go through tonight, isn't there, Mizzy? Well, mate, it... it it's been one of those off-seasons. Obviously, we're coming off a of 2020, a shortened 2020. Only, and I say only 17 races. How they managed to get that in in the time period still baffles me. But um, post the uh, the final race of 2020, there's so much happening. Team changes, driver changes. We still don't have a Mercedes driver confirmed for 2021 at this stage. That's huge news. So we'll go through all the ins, the outs, and everything you need to know over the next hour, um, and we'll do it better than the rest. Absolutely. So with that, the five lights are about to go out, and we can start racing. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Splinters. We're going to kick things off here tonight with the team changes. And Mirzi, although we've still got 10 teams on the field and it's by essence the same 10 teams, a few name changes that have occurred um, to start off this year. And the most notable one to start off with is one involving what was affectionately known as the Pink Mercedes. Well, they won't be pink for much much longer. They'll be that very famous British Racing Green. Yeah, Racing Point. Um, now take, now having naming rights sponsorship with Aston Martin. I believe they also have a, a stake in that team as well. Um, with, um, Lance Stroll, father of, uh, sorry, with Lawrence Stroll, father of Lance Stroll, uh, bringing them on board. They're coming across from being a, a co-title sponsor. I don't know how to put it with Red Bull, but, uh, they had pretty prominent signage on the Red Bull cars at Aston Martin, but now we'll have, the the British Racing Green 
out there on the grid, and um, I'm excited for that one. I, I think to have a, a brand like Aston Martin and for it to be branded up as an Aston Martin, to, to race against the Mercedes, the Ferraris, etc., etc., um, it's just it's great for the sport. As much as it, you, you, as much as we have the Red Bulls and and all that sort of stuff, because obviously the sponsorship money is the reason that we go is the reason they go racing and we get to be fans of the racing. But to have the big car manufacturers on the grid, that's what the fans love. That's the the, the reminiscing of the old days when it used to be just the car and the driver and everything like that. I can't wait to see what. They're up to you. We've seen snippets on the internet of, of the green and everything like that. Looks good. It looks so good. It'll be one of those cars. I, I don't like the word toyetic, but in this instance, but it's one of those ones where it'll be like a, a model or a, or a poster on a wall and it'll just look sexy. It'll look like a Formula One car should. And you mentioned. Lawrence Stroll as role in this. Now, the rumours and the accusations of, da- of, as we say, daddy's cash, making sure that Lance constantly has a drive. Now, what people don't know is that Lawrence Stroll's actually got a at least a 16% share in Aston Martin these days. He is the chairman, I believe, now, which is why... Aston Martin has now come into this. But it goes further than that. Because, of course, you remember the the very striking advertising of the BWT water company on the side of the that Aston Martin. They're gone now, and they've signed a multi-million dollar sponsorship deal with IT consultancy firm Cognizant. And that's a huge signing, because you wouldn't think that you'd be getting much work done with, with, uh, with IT companies get taken on such a significant role, but it's the first of its kind in Formula One. Well, it is a huge thing, and, and that's what they need to show, and, and with all the new owners and taking them from Bernie, is that they want to show that it can be a partnership and can really um, get bang for your buck. It's not just money going down the drain, for lack of a better term, putting your money into Formula One sponsorship. You want to be able to get a return on that investment. It'll be a shame not to see BWT. Hopefully, um, someone else may be able to take over that sponsorship and we'll see um, some pink cars out there in some sort of sort because they were striking. They stood out on the grid. You'd certainly knew what car that was when it was um, when it was racing around. But uh, I think with Racing Point now, Aston Martin, they've, they've certainly doing the wheelings and dealings, but you bring up Lance Stroll, is he there because of daddy's money? Probably. You see that Sergio was the one to go, not Lance, to, to bring in their, their new driver, as we'll discuss later. We won't go into that now, but he, he can drive that car. You saw it this year. He got podiums. He can drive that car. So he got a pole. Sometimes, well, exactly. And as I said, he led races. Sometimes when there's five people on equal footing, and they've all got the same amount of talent. Unfortunately, it comes down to the cash. Motorsport is a cash-driven business. It's a very expensive business. Lance Stroll's just lucky that he's got the talent as well as the cash behind him. So, that's Aston Martin, the first significant team change. The second one, uh, not nearly as, I guess, jarring in terms of the change, but one that I think could, could... could be quite interesting in terms of the looks of the car. I'm actually quite excited to see it. Renault won't be running with their Renault brand this year. They're going to be known as Alpine, which is one of their car brands. It's sort of more of a sporty division of Renault itself. I've seen a few mock-ups of the car. 
I quite like it. Well, as I said, they've only just recently put out some of their, um, I think what they call their, their testing livery or something, which is actually black with the French flag. They, they say it does go back to the first Alpine cars way back in the 70 where it was black, but the fans, they, 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 they want what you're probably talking about there, the, the sky blue, that light blue. Again, another striking color. From Renault, you don't really associate Renault Renault with that sporting, you, you 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 think of those little Renault Clios and stuff like that when you when you think of Renault. So for them to go from from the Renault brand to the Alpine brand, hopefully that'll come in with a a spike in the in the in their more sporty car division. I'm sure that's what they're looking for. But again, they were striking car as well as the the black with the yellow highlights. They they did certainly stand out on the grid, but. Uh, if they do have that light blue, um, it'll be certainly one of those ones. I said we're going to have a very good looking grid. It will be a good um, looking. Said, it with, will be good looking mm, grid. With yeah, the, British Racing Green, the reds, the light blues. The other one that's going to happen is with McLaren. The big announcement with them, of course, last year was that they were now moving over and returning to a partnership with Mercedes. Of course, there's a very fruitful relationship back in the '90s and the 2000s. Delivered them. Um, I think it was, well, initially it was two world championships under Mika Hakkinen, and then it was another two with Lewis Hamilton um, at the start of the 2.4-litre V8 era. I think it might have only been one with Lewis Hamilton, and he got the rest of his six with the Works Mercedes team, but I could be wrong, but it is. It is one of those partnerships, and when you think about the, the, the quote-unquote good old days of F1, well, for me at least, is that, that late 90s, early 2000s period. And McLaren Mercedes was just dominating um, along with the Ferraris um, when when Michael Schumacher uh, got into his world championship winning mode. Obviously, with everything that's going on, the Mercedes engine is what you need to have in your car to be competitive. Obviously, Red Bull sort of curving that trend a little bit, but and and taking it to the works Mercedes team. But I think the addition of this engine. No offense to Renault, but this is that we all know motorsports is about one percenters. This is about a five percenter, I think, in in McLaren. And I said new drivers, uh, well, one new driver, one we're very excited about to be in that car, plus a Mercedes engine. They'll be pushing Red Bull. They'll be going for that second spot in the constructors' championship. And um, yeah, I think Mercedes uh, could be um, just watching their rearview mirror just a little bit closely with. This partnership, it's certainly one I'm really looking forward to. Now, let's go through one of the big changes that occurs every year, and this year was probably one of the biggest um, shake-ups of the grid that we've seen in some time. It is the driver changes for 2020, and indeed, silly season started early last year when, in March, Ferrari made the announcement of one of their drivers not going to be re-signed for 2021. Well, Sebastian Vettel obviously came across as a four-time world champion from Red Bull. Um, his tenure at Red Bull so successful, but I think he sort of saw the writing on the wall. It was time for him to uh, to make way. Um, and when he made that change, Ferrari was probably the second best seat to be in, other than the works Mercedes. But um, after a couple of good years um, and uh, Ferrari's quote-unquote troubles that we've seen in the last sort of 12, 18 months until they got pinged for something that F1 don't want us to know but uh, somehow made their cargo much slower, uh, 
But, um, so, that can't be much, but, uh, obviously the last, in 2020, he was very much outperformed by his teammate, uh, Charles Leclerc. I know you've got his, uh, poster up on your wall at home, Caruso. Uh, one of your favorite drivers. My, myself and, my, look, let, let's, let's say it, myself and Zoe Benjamin, probably. <laughs> I mean, the, yeah, I'm not in that, I'm not in that fan club. I'll leave you two to it, but, uh, he's a very good driver. But um, I think Seb, seeing the writing on the wall um, again at Ferrari, didn't put in his best performances. I don't think last year. I just don't. I just think the motivation was lacking. But uh, now you put him in that Aston Martin, give him Mercedes power, put him on par with um, with the, the power units that uh, the works drivers have. I think he he obviously needs to find something in himself, and he needs to find that motivation. But uh, he could be. Certainly in for podiums this year. The other challenge you've got with Sebastian Vettel is, is the way he sort of drives it, it, the the car. Everyone is well aware of his his time at the second half of his time at Ferrari becoming almost a meme in its own right, with the Spinella uh, references constantly rearing its ugly head whenever um, Vettel spins spins the car. And it's something a lot more technical than what people realise. Vettel often comments that he likes a car with a very tight rear end but this Ferrari is quite loose at the back it's quite a slippery car which gives it the extra pace um, in certain aspects and Charles Leclerc absolutely loves it like that and they've just thrown everything behind Leclerc leaving Vettel out pretty much on his own in a car that just doesn't suit his style and that's what you find with, with cars that obviously they want the car, they want the cars to be as close together as possible because obviously you can learn from different cars. If, if they made one car for, for Charles, they made one car for, for Seb that were completely different, then there's pretty much no point of them being teammates because the closer they are together, the more you can learn in practice one and be able to share the information between both cars. Red Bull's probably the, probably another good example is that that car is made to exactly how Max Verstappen likes it. Uh, it probably has a bit of the same to that Ferrari as well. It's very loose. Um, Max just has a way of driving it, but the other drivers that come into that second seat have difficulty um, with how uh, it performs, and it's probably not up to their liking. But obviously with Max and he's standing at Red Bull, um, we know what Charles is going to do for Ferrari going forward. They're the, they're the quote-unquote number ones in those teams, so the car's going to be built for them then you've got to sort of adapt being the number two driver. So hopefully going to, to, to Aston Martin, I'm sure as much as they will tell us that it's not the case, Seb will, it will, the team will be built around Seb and being a four-time world champion, why, why should it not be? Um, Lance, Lance, I think will probably, I think they'll like a similar car. I, I don't think uh, there'll be that too much of a parity between them. They'll, they'll enjoy having a similar car. So if they can, um, and with that Mercedes power engine, um, again, are they going to be another one that's going to be up there fighting um, for podiums as well? So if, if, all the, if all the ducks can come in a row for them, um, it's going to be making it more exciting for the fans because there's going to be more manufacturers up there at the pointy end of the field. Now, this, this started off a whole chain reaction of, of driver changes. Now, the announcement coming through of Ferrari bringing in a new driver. Well, this is going to be interesting, this, because this is a guy who's come off two pretty solid years at McLaren 
He's now walking into the number two seat at Ferrari. It's Carlos Sainz Jr. Well, this was an interesting one. Um, obviously, he signed very early in the in the season. I, I don't know whether it was before or after um, the McLaren Mercedes deal came to a to a front. Um, he obviously would have had to have some idea when they, if they were trying to re-sign him or or whether his replacement was already in the wings and he knew what the writing on the wall was. But uh, obviously, I think for him, uh, a big fan of um, the red cars and then obviously with the name like Carlos Sainz, he brings a lot of attention to the team. So if he can, again, if it comes down to castles, if he can get the same out of that that Ferrari as Charles Leclerc can and... Um, they they form a good working relationship together. That that can only be good things from Ferrari. Um, they've obviously got a, work, a lot of work to do. Obviously, the the power units aren't up to the the Mercedes standard, or even I think the Renault standard or the, the Honda standard at the moment. They'll obviously be putting a lot into the 2022 car. But if they can have a decent year this year, and then once 2020 two comes around, I think that's probably when Ferrari may make their way back to the front end of the field. Now, one of the things it's they often say is that your your teammate is, is your first rival when it comes to Formula One. We know oh, yeah, that you've got to beat your teammate, of course. You have to beat your teammate, of course. The, we do know that the relationship between Charles Leclerc and Carlos Sainz Jr. is actually a pretty good one. Uh, they both get on quite well, um, but unfortunately, it does break up what was one of the true bromance stories of the last couple of years, which was Sainz with Lando Norris. Well, it's going to be interesting to see how Charles works with that new relationship. He had a very much a, a mentor-student-type relationship with, with Seb Vettel being in the in the second Ferrari, and you saw the the outpouring from Charles about in that final race, uh, had his helmet tributed to him. He obviously learned a lot with Seb being in that second seat, so it's going to be a bit different now in that that dynamic it'll it'll almost be another mclaren type with the the bromance type relationship two drivers on equal footing experience wise uh so to speak uh to see how they make that work charles not going to have someone that that's been there done it before so he might have to take a bit more of a leadership role within the team but carlo coming from that relationship with lando norris where it's uh what is it like good friends better enemies type thing where as much as yeah we're bros off the off the track uh he's the first one you want to beat on the track and that's great i, I think it's good that the, the, the things they used to produce on formula one tv and and stuff it gave mclaren a good name everybody liked seeing the the relationship between the tr- the drivers and that's only a good pr thing i think again for ferrari it'll be a good pr thing they'll they'll do a lot for ferrari off the track but what really matters is how they come together on the track, and I think it's going to be hard in 2021 with um, the the change in regulations. There's not going to be a lot of upgrades for them, but as I said, if they can use this as a building year, 2022 might be a different story. Well, look, nothing nothing will beat the meme lording that was going on between Science and um, and Norris. It was some the summer was just the stuff of legends at that point. So all is not lost. The F1 fans will get some entertainment because, of course, joining McLaren and Lil Lando is everyone's favourite Aussie at the moment. It's going to be Uncle Danny Rick. Well, Uncle Danny Rick, he, he is someone that McLaren has been chasing pretty hard. They they wanted him when his contract came up at Red Bull. They, they obviously missed out to him to Renault. Um, but then two years later, things are different. So that, that McLaren engine had to be... Uh, that 
tipping point for for Ricardo to sign. But it's going to be an interesting dynamic now in McLaren. Um, you go from the bromance that we just mentioned between Lando and, and Carlos. From how they interact, I, I think it's almost going to be the big, big bro, little bro type oh, um, totally will be. dynamic where Danny's the big brother and um, he's right and not in a bad way, but he, he's the big brother and, and Lando's the, the little brother and thinks he's uh, big, better than the big brother, but... Maybe that's going to be a good thing for Lando, he, having someone like Ricardo in that second seat. And you saw him in that Renault. He was driving the wheels off it, and um, he got that Renault into places that it should not have gone with its engine and its package. So if he can do that for McLaren and Lando can be up there with him, then that's just great for, for McLaren. And um, as I said, I think McLaren a bit of an Aussie team. Um, Jack Brown being the CEO and then part owner with the, the Walkinshaw Andretti United. They have, they have that link there. Um, we saw Zach and, and Lando as part of the V8 Supercars coverage during the COVID. Uh, hopefully with that increased, um, that increased expo- Aussie exposure now with Danny Rick, we might see a bit more McLaren stuff in Australia. I would love to see a, a Lando Danny Rick assault on Bathurst one year. There you go. Oh. God, that, there's a call. There's a call to make. Daniel Rick and Lando doing the Bathurst 1000. Together, mate. To get, well, I don't know if they'd be allowed to do it together anymore, uh, because you have to have a, an established V8 supercar driver, don't you? No, you know, have a wild card entry. Ah, yeah. Wild cards. Third, third, third Andretti United car. So they won't, they don't have to share with, uh, Chaz or, um, the other guy that's saying because Bryce Forward. Apologies, Bryce, but, uh, yeah, they they can put in a third car, have those two in there, and uh, I think that would be something to see. But uh, hopefully we can see some crossover. I think now that we've pushed the, the Aussie Grand Prix back to, to November, well, we'll talk about that a bit more later, but uh, I think with that opportunity, I think with Zach Brown at the helm and now having Danny Rick there, we might see a little bit of crossover, which is, which is great. I'd love to see when we've had, like, the... The, the Vodafone crossover when they had the, the Vodafone McLaren and then the Vodafone V8 supercar from Triple Eight and they, they were doing cross promotion stuff, so bring it on. Oh mate, that'll be absolutely awesome to see. Now, the other significant driver change that's connected with this chain reaction before we go to our break is of course, was Renault now Alpine? With Danny Rick leaving them, there was a seat open. The debate raged on for a little bit about who was going to fill that void, and it's a returning champion to take it in Fernando Alonso. Yeah, this one was really out of left field. Um, obviously, there's a lot of drivers on the market, um, young guys, uh, the likes of Nico Hulkenberg. Sergio Perez was without a drive as well. We need to talk about him shortly as well, even if it's after the break. Obviously, Renault felt that with with Esteban Ocon in the second seat, they needed experience, and if you if you want experience, he's the man to go to. Um, obviously, so many Grand Prix starts, he's won the World Championship with that Renault team. You imagine him? He said you, he won it back in '05 in that mild seven car, which uh, was light blue. Uh, what's the Alpine going to be this year? Oh, light oh, blue, maybe. You never made that. Connection, did you? No, no, you so didn't. Imagine, imagine that. It's a bit of a, a, a coming back together. So maybe an omen for uh, the new team. Absolutely. Now, with, with Alonso, of course, having the having the year off, a couple of years off, but he's going to be back and raring to go. He's shown some pace already. 
But for mind, I think that one of the drivers, I'm going to call it now, one of the drivers on notice this year is actually Esteban Ocon. He was completely thrashed by Daniel Ricciardo last year. And it's going to be up to him to show that he can have a decent year. And the expectation is that he should, on paper, beat Alonso. But you know, if if Alonso matches him, Ocon's career could be in trouble. Well, definitely. Um, I think they showed that they're not afraid to make changes in the F1 paddock. Um, there's plenty of guys in F2 that have dollars that can contribute. As I said, he's he's got to be there matching his teammate at least. I know they were very disappointed that, that he wasn't matching Ricardo, but as as I said before, Ricardo was just driving the wheels off that Renault. He was doing things that that car should not have done, but. That's we said. What did we say at the beginning of this? The first thing is you've got to beat your teammates. So I said another poor showing, and um, yeah, he could be without a drive for sure. Now, when we when, what we'll do is when we come back to the break, we'll go through the rest of the changes, and the the big ones are going to be going through that will be those involving Red Bull, Alpha Tauri, Alpha Rom, Alpha Romeo, and the big one at what is going on with Mercedes. But before we do the calendar for this year. Uh, there's been some changes already. The traditional season opener, the Australian Grand Prix, of course, has been pushed back to the 21st of November, which means we're going to be starting off in Bahrain. But it is a the a, one of the circuits that was brought back last year is going to be getting a second run. Well, yeah, in a time in a time of the year in in April where we're not used to seeing European tracks, but we've got one, Imola, back in that second round slot. It's uh, great to see a good driver's track. It'll be interesting to see uh, round three currently TBA. Um, I know we were speaking before the show where we'd like to see that, but it'll be interesting to see where they find a, a slot for that. But uh, um, when you go through the the other Grand Prix, pretty much as a, as a, a normal stock standard year, um, but then obviously a lot of the flyaway rounds towards the end of the season. Yeah, well. Let's go through the, we'll go through those additional circuits that have come in very quickly. We're going to be going back to the, to Zandvoort for the first time since the late 80s for the Dutch Grand Prix. Obviously, the, the following for Max Verstappen has brought that, um, that racetrack back. We have seen a name change for the Brazilian Grand Prix now, the Sao Paulo Grand Prix still at Interlagos, the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix at the Jeddah Street Circuits, and guess who's designed another street circuit? Well, Hermit Till, you, you give him a bit of a, an uppercut, and yeah, he's he's not designed some good tracks, but he seems to be the go-to man. But seeing their actual their actual streets, I don't know how much more he can do. But uh, another street circuit, um, obviously a lot of money coming in from that part of the world, so it'll be interesting to see next year. But uh, 23 races scheduled. Uh, it's going to be a long season, a lot of lot of lot of late Sunday nights for myself. But yeah, bring it on. And finally, before we go to the break, that gap, round three, the circuits that are available for them to race at. Of course, you had last year, you had the Eiffel Grand Prix or the German Grand Prix, which was at the Nürburgring, the Portuguese Grand Prix, you had the Sakir Grand Prix, which is the outer circuit at Bahrain, and the Turkish Grand Prix at Istanbul, the Tuscan Grand Prix at Mugello. Which one would you like to see come back? Oh, there's some great tracks in there. I don't think we'll see a second round at Bahrain. Don't, and unfortunately, I don't think we'll see Mugello come back. I, I between uh, Istanbul and and Portugal, I, I think. And seeing that the Spanish Grand Prix is is round four, maybe that leans more towards Portugal. But 
Uh, that race in uh, Istanbul was, was something else. I'd love, I'd love to see that one back on the calendar. Yeah, I'm kind of leaning to. Well, I've got three in line. If I chose with my head, I think you're right. I think they take it back to Portugal. If I led with my heart, I would say I'd want to see it to go back to Turkey. One of the and you know we gave him stick just before, but it is one of the few circuits that Herman Tilke got absolutely right. Oh, uh, definitely. But uh, we won't mention why there's why there's a, a still a free Grand Prix. We'll just say, well, when you go to Vietnam, how can you not expect corruption? Yeah, absolutely. Let's go to the break, and when we come back, we'll finish off the driver changes, and we'll go through some of the technical changes and what could be coming up. Uh, for predictions. This is Splinters, the bench podcast on Triple H 100.1 FM, streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au and available for download at podcast.com, Apple Store, YouTube Music, Spotify, TuneIn and all good podcast sites. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Splinters, the bench podcast on Triple H 100.1 FM, streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au and available for download at podcast.com, Apple Store, YouTube Music, Spotify, TuneIn and all good podcast sites. Anthony the Bull Caruso with the wise man Matt Mears. We've gone from ball sports to motorsports. We are talking the F1 preview for 2021. And Matt Mears, we're going to jump straight back into the driver changes. We've gone through the first half, which were all triggered by the announcement that Sebastian Vettel was leaving Ferrari for Aston Martin. Let's go to the other ones that has occurred. First off, with the musical chairs that have been going on at Red Bull, and boy, hasn't there been some changes from this. Well, certainly, but you can link this one to that Vettel move as well, because this is the man that made way for Vettel to come into into Aston Martin and that's Sergio Perez. He uh, he obviously we we know how talented he is. Uh, we saw how he drove that um, that racing point um, and got the most out of it. But, but now coming into Red Bull, he replaces Alex Albon. He again is one of those ones. He he probably is the the if if we're saying Ocon is the 2021 version of Godabidi's teammate, then Albon was the 2020 version where he was just so far behind um, Verstappen, it wasn't funny. They did back him, but unfortunately that gave way. We will see Alex Albon still in a reserve testing role, and I think they even got him a drive in the DTM, the, the German do. Touring Car Championship, so Alex Albon will still be out on the, um, on the track. But uh, Sergio and Max, it'll be interesting to see They've obviously realised they need they need that second driver they need a second senior driver to take it to that works Mercedes team. I said Perez is the first driver since Mark Webber in 2007 to join the team, not being part of that Red Bull driver program, the junior driver program. So a lot of pressure on Sergio, but as I said, as long as he likes a car that's the same as what Max likes, I think they're going to be a dangerous duo. This is the thing that Max Verstappen has such a grip on this team that that second Red Bull seat has often been seen almost as a poison chalice. Mm. So how does Sergio get himself settled in for a team that is whole... Indeed, you could almost say a squad, when you include Alpha Tauri, that is almost completely centred around Max Verstappen. I don't think Alpha Tauri is as much anymore. We're, we've seen with... We've seen with... Yeah, Gasly. 
Pierre Gasly, thank you. Going back there after his stint in that second seat, that uh, they're they're their own little team, their own right. But I, I get what you're saying. All all roads point to Max as their their number one guy. That they are the ones that they he's the one they see as their Hamilton almost. That that it's all gear and him. But I think Sergio's personality, you, you see it in his interviews, you see it on track. He's not to say that he doesn't care, but he, he's very, very easygoing. I, I think he's probably the perfect foil um, for Max. I just think that it, it comes down to driving styles and it comes down to compatibility on setups and stuff like that because Sergio would have to go go into that seat knowing that he's not he's not really going to have the car built for his specifications. It's going to be built for Max's, and he, he just gets his little tweaks here and there. But um, but obviously the, the the carrots there. It is the second best car in the field currently, um, results wise. So as I said, obviously the the temptation was too much for for Sergio. He he needed to be in the car. But I think for the dynamic and and for his results, we can only wait and see. We then go to the sister team, Scuderia Alpha Tauri Honda. Pierre Gasly, first off, let's just let's give him a wrap because I thought he was the most improved driver from last year. Got his debut win, he's made him win at the Italian Grand Prix. I thought drove his absolute heart out, and I think he has now established himself um, in Formula One. He has he's taken that Alpha Tauri to positions it shouldn't be, and an exciting prospect joining him this year in the second seat in the Japanese driver, Yuki Tsunoda. Yeah, well, well Gasly, he won the Italian Grand Prix. It was a great scene um, seeing him up there. There was, with the Ferraris going out early, there was talk we wouldn't hear the Italian national anthem. My boy, was everyone wrong? But they played they played the strategy perfectly. Two, two restarts from the full grid um, throughout that race. I still remember watching that race and, and not being able to take my eyes off it. It was, if there was more of that in F1... Um, and it wasn't so much Mercedes dominated. That's what bringing the fans back. But uh, he he's another one like Danny Rick. He drove that car. He drove the wheels off it and and took it further than his potential. Um, obviously, I don't know a lot about Yuki Tsunoda. Obviously, I do know that he has a lot of backing from Honda, and he that that sort of got him in that second seat. Interesting to see, seeing this is the last season that that we will have Honda engines in those. Um, Alpha Tauris and Red Bulls as well, so maybe. I mean, who I, knows? Who knows? Maybe they, that might it might twist their arm enough. Well, it was Honda themselves that pulled out, saying that they wanted to go down more the green energy type route, and F1 didn't fit their plans. But a crazy, a weird decision. I wouldn't say crazy, but a weird decision in my eyes. But. Um, obviously, they, they want to take as much out of that Honda relationship as they can, and and having uh, the, the Japanese driver in there is is one of the um, the ways to do it. Well, for those who don't know, Yuki, I did watch Yuki Tsunoda during F2 last year, and I've got to say he is quite impressive. Um, he did finish third in the F in the F2 championship. Um, he picked up three wins, four and four pole positions. He is an F4. He's a Japanese F4 champion, and in Formula Three, did finish ninth. Uh, in 2019, but it was a big jump to go from ninth in Formula 3 to third in Formula 2. There's a lot of raps on this kid, and I, I'm very excited to see where he can go uh, for next year. He, he 
had a barnstorming finish to the season, I've got to say, in particular, picked up a second place in, in Sochi. He won the feature race in Bahrain and then finished off with a second place in the sprint race at Bahrain as well. So he finished the season with a wet start, which is probably what got him over the line for the seat. I think this is an, I think this is a fascinating lineup and this is one where Pierre Gasly's going to have a challenge. Not a challenge that I think will be insurmountable for him. He'd still be expected to win it, but it will push AlphaTauri forward in a positive light. Well, now, yeah, now they're, now they're being called the sister team to Red Bull, not the junior team. So that's got to be a, a plus for them. Um, I've seen a few things on F1 TV where they're showing the, uh, the, the money that they're putting into to facilities and development and everything like that. They, they, they feel that they can race above where they are now, and that's great, but... Like Red Bull, um, the the engine—I don't know what to even call it—dilemma of, of what they do in in 2022. Obviously, we'll have huge new regulations then, and it's going to be interesting to see what they can actually what they can actually muster. That there's talk of them just having the the same Honda engines and just have them badged as as something else, or I don't know. But um, I, I think they'll have a good showing of in 2021, but. For a team that's going to have a lot of eyes on 2022 because they don't know what engine's going to be running in their car, hopefully that doesn't sort of take one eye off this season for them. Of course, that means that Dan- Daniel Kvyat has been squeezed out of the uh, of the competition, and I think the the time was up for the for the Russian. We then move over to a team that's uh, go from a team that has had some adjustments to a team that's really blown themselves up and started again. It is Haas F1. Last year, they had Roman Grosjean and Kevin Magnussen. But, man, we have never seen the likes of two rookie drivers in the one team like this before in years. Well, no, we haven't. And obviously, uh, Haas has just decided that uh, while other teams are getting the the eraser out and and making a, a couple of changes here or there, they've just thrown the whole plans in the bin and... And started from scratch, but maybe perhaps that that's something they needed to do. Not happy in their position that they're sort of falling back in the grid over the last few years into that sort of second last position, uh, in front of Williams. But, uh, said so two drivers, obviously Mick Schumacher, we, we knew he was going to try and, and make his way to the grid if he, if he won that Formula 2 championship in 2020. I think a lot of people expected him to end up at, um, Alfa Romeo, but, with them keeping their two drivers, he, he ends up in one of those half seats. But uh, the second driver is one that's obviously already causing uh, controversy, and that's uh, Nikita Mazepin. And um, he's obviously already been in trouble. He's already had to get in front of uh, the team bosses um, for off-field indiscretions. Uh, it's one of those ones. He's obviously another one of those ones with um, some daddy's money behind him. And... Uh, It'll be interesting to see how um, Haas uh, go throughout the year if they can't keep him on the straight and narrow. Oh, to be a fly on the wall when Gunther Steiner would have just absolutely unloaded on Nikita Mazepin. <laughs> look, you can't. Look, you can't. You can't, you can't encourage those things in 2021. Like what he did is what he did. Like obviously, that the girl that was involved came out and said that there was no issue. They were friends, etc., etc. But. It's still not a good look in this day and age, unfortunately. 
Absolutely not. And not only that, but on the on the circuit as well, Mazepin had developed a bit of a reputation in uh, in F2 as being a bit of a reckless driver, almost to the point of being, uh, I think, almost a bit, I guess, dangerous at times. He did walk away from that um, that GP2 season in 2020 with two wins, one at Silverstone and the other one at Mugello, but it was just a rate of inconsistencies throughout it, saw him finish fifth place, so I was very curious to see him end up there, but very quickly on Mick Schumacher, well, you know, it's it's not enough that he's got the, the family surname, but what did people have spoken about him in particular is his ability to learn, like, they've often said it takes him a year to get settled into the competition, but then in his second year within Formula 3, within, within Formula 4, within Formula 3, within Formula 2, he blitzes the competition. I don't see him necessarily blitzing the competition the second year around, but all eyes will be on his performance in 2022 to see how he steps up that year. Well, it, it, he can only go as good as the car that he's got underneath him, and he obviously needed a seat, and, and Haas was the one to, to provide it, but... He obviously would have um, aspirations of, of working himself up the grid, hopefully. Um, I think mean, there's a lot of fans, including one Mr. Caruso himself, that would love to see him in the red of a, a, re, a regenerated a, a front-of-the-field Ferrari, see him in that red like his father. But as I said, he's going to have to bide his time. He's going to have to learn his craft. Obviously, he'll still have that, that Ferrari backing behind him. Um, Haas had their technical relationship with Ferrari, so they'll... Still have him at arm's length. They'll and that's going to be check incre- on his progress. That's going to be in- that's going to be increased this year, I believe, as well. Well, yeah. Well, it's the same as Williams having their their increasing their links to Mercedes, which is Williams need any help they can get. Uh, Haas is in the same boat. They they obviously are, are down the back of the grid, um, obviously struggling in a lot of areas. But as I said any alliance like that, or but they're just. Whereas Williams have Mercedes, which is the sure thing, Haas have put a lot of eggs in that in that Ferrari basket. If if Ferrari have another year like they did last year, it's going to be interesting. But seeing you had Alfa Romeo beating Ferraris with their own engine without the technical assistance, it's like ugh, it could it could backfire on Haas. But you just you got to hope that that. Uh, Mr. Mazepin money goes a long way, and uh, they can work their way up the grid. With the two teams with Red Bull complete now, Haas complete. A lot of the, a couple of the other teams have had no no lineup changes. Williams will re- retain Russell and Latifi. Alfa Romeo retain Kimi Raikkonen and Antonio Giovinazzi. That leaves Mercedes. And while Valtteri Bottas is going around for another year, there's one seat open, and it's Lewis Hamilton. Yeah, it's a it's a crazy situation. Situation to be in. Obviously, Mercedes thought that with everything going on, well, there's no other seat for Hamilton, is there? Like seven world titles, the Mercedes is the fastest one in the field. Uh, you wouldn't want to be anywhere else going for a record eight title. But you don't know. We don't know what's going on behind the scenes. Obviously, the reports come out. Talk of wanting fifty million dollars a season um, and everything, and all the and contributions to going into all of. Um, all of the the other um, projects that he uh, 
has going as well at the moment. But is it is it talk of a man that doesn't want to retire but doesn't want to race anymore? It's it's a really weird situation. I just I don't. It's it's you either want to race or you don't. Um, obviously, the money's going to be there. Like he he wants fifty million. Uh, Bottas is on eight million. Like it, it's one of those tricky. Th- and I don't think we're going to know anything more about this situation until the closer we get to the start. It's not only that he wants $50 million a year, he wants it for three years. That's the biggest issue as well. By the time that contract expires, he will be nearly 40. So it's, it's, a, it's amazing to think that you know, he's not only asking so much, but he's asking for a commitment that would make his contract probably the third longest contract behind only Max Verstappen and Charles Leclerc, and he's asking for, for, for almost double the money of the pair, or actually triple the money of the pair of them. Well, when you win seven world titles, obviously, you, you think highly of yourself, but it, it's an interesting situation because, so we, you talked about him, he's, he's staying with Williams, that's George Russell, but we saw him in there in the second um, Bahrain Grand Prix on the short circuit last year. We saw what he did in Hamilton's car. Can you imagine and what it he was, could do? And, with- it was, and this is the thing. It was Hamilton's car. They made no changes to that car whatsoever. Oh, and they made a few. Like they, they made some. They nothing really technical, but they made it. They made it so it was. It was um, so he could fit in it at least. But yeah. It, it was um, it, that was probably the worst thing for Hamilton because it yeah. showed that someone that, that someone else with talent, and we all know that George Russell's got the talent. He's just hamstrung by that Williams car. We know he's got the talent. We saw oh, he should have he should have won that race twice, twice. And it was the the team, it was the pit stop crew, then then the flat tire that let him down. It wasn't his driving ability. He came out that day and showed that he deserves to be in that car. And um, I think that was the worst thing for Lewis because it's just given Mercedes all the bargaining power now. Because I said, he, he wants $50 million. We can give George five and put him in and he'll probably win the title. And not only that, but they could turn around and go, well, you know, Hamilton, you want $50 million for three years. That's going to cost, me, cost us $150 million. Russell wants, you know, caught $5 million. Yeah, we'll give him a five-year contract. Because <laughs> I said, we know the talent he's got. It. He's he's another one like Mister Saturday. I love watching him in in qualifying because he puts that car in positions that it doesn't deserve to be. It, it is that that unfortunately, and I love Williams and watching them back in the nineties and and when they were winning titles. I, even, even going back to race, even when they were ring, winning races in the two thousands when they partnered up with BMW. Yeah, well, you go back to to Alan Jones uh, in that in 1980, winning uh, his world title with Williams. Like the, everybody has a, a soft spot for Williams because of what they've done over so many years. Obviously, it's not controlled by the Williams family anymore. It's um, now part of an, an American um, conglomerate. But from what you hear, what you see, they're going to stay pretty true to the Williams thing. Hopefully, that money will see them go up the grid, but. As I said, it's, he's still going to be Mr. Saturday if he's in that Williams. He's, he's not going to be pushing for points finishes, unfortunately. But as I said, you give him Hamilton's car, it's a different story. But Lewis, I think now, he, he doesn't really have much of a leg to stand on because, as I said, Mercedes have shown, well, we've got someone to put in the car if you don't sign. He's sort of between a rock and a hard place now. Say it happens. 
say Hamilton doesn't have a seat. We see George Russell. We know that what happens with, at Williams at the moment is that George Russell's seat is actually controlled directly by Mercedes. He would surely go into the Mercedes Works team. Who goes into that Williams into that Williams seat there? I would put my money that that seat goes to to Nico Hulkenberg. I don't know. It'd be a tricky one. They've obviously got Soffel Van Dorn, um, yep, who very experienced um, Formula driver. He's the that reserve driver. Had Hamilton sort of tested positive on on a Thursday or a Friday, he would have been the one to drive that car. Uh, instead of George Russell, it's because he, he tested so early in the week that they were able to make the changes for George. But as I said, had it been later in the week, he would have been the one to drive the car. Perhaps he might be rewarded with that seat. Um, perhaps Williams have someone else that, um, or another Mercedes junior driver. It'd be an interesting one to see. But um, obviously, to, to have a spot on, in, the, in a car in one of those 20 cars would be interesting to see who, who it might end up with. Maybe it could be Lewis. That'd be fun. See what he could get out of it. Like, really? Um, he might decide that he thinks he can win it in a... Who knows? He could have lost his mind and think he can win it in a Williams. I don't know. But it'd be really interesting to see. There'd be a lot of people putting their hands up. Obviously, Mercedes would have a say in who who took that seat. But all we know is that George Russell is a superstar and he will be in that works team Sooner rather than later. Couple. Let's go through the rest of the changes for this year. Uh, the big, the other, the big regulation change that's going to be happening this year is the financial regulation. Um, the, for the first time ever, Formula One will have a spending cap of 145 million dollars. Now, well, that's how can not- you pay Lewis 50 when you only got 145 uh, million now, to spend? No, no, no. So this does not include. Marketing budget, driver's salary, and the salaries of the team's top three executives. Oh, okay. All right. So it's, it is purely around, it is pretty much around, um, car development and staff. I think you'll see a few of the, the, the teams like the, the Ferraris and their teams sort of link up and, oh, wow, look at all the, look at all the, the stuff that Alfa Romeo did when it's just ex-Ferrari people that now are quote unquote paid by Alfa, Alfa Romeo's. So it'll be interesting to see this cup and how they can actually uh, um, police it. I think that's what is what what is going to happen. Those B teams are going to be a lot going to play a much bigger role in being able to de- develop the teams going forward. Those that have got the money will just instead siphon that money off to those to the small their B teams. In terms yeah, all of it, a, all it is is that some of your sponsors become now Alpha Romeo, like some Ferrari sponsors now just. Start sponsoring Alfa Romeo. It, it's not hard to to um, to get the money where you really want it to. The technical changes for this year just uh, not a lot has really occurred. It's just some adjustments of the floors and what's going to be required for the uh, winglets here and there. Those those kinds of details we will spare the detail about. But there is one technical change that has occurred. The DAS system, the dual axis steering developed by Mercedes, has been banned. Good, good. I think mean, anything that we can get Mercedes back to parity with everyone else, they they have the fastest car. They don't they don't need any more. They don't need any more um, heads up. But uh, it's going to be interesting to see. Obviously, um, what you said about the floor, they're going to have less aerodynamics. Um, so they're going to. But like I said. They're smart enough. They'll find other ways. I think the tyres also are going to change too. So, as I said, they, they raced a few of the, they raced on a few of the different compounds in um, pre-practice two in some of the rounds. 
Uh, drivers not very happy with them. Um, but obviously, that's the route F1 wants to go down. They don't want drivers. They want drivers to drive, not just to be pilots of these big machines. So I'm going to be, I'm really interested. I can't wait for Bahrain. I'll be tuned in to see how much different it is. This will be an interesting one here. For the FIA have introduced a token system for engines. This is in response to uh, McLaren changing from Renault to Mercedes. Uh, originally, there was going to be a, be a freeze on engine development. They've now introduced tokens that teams can use to develop their engines for the 2021 season. Uh, obviously, McLaren have used theirs in terms of the development of their redevelopment of their car for the uh, Mercedes engine for their car. It is believed Ferrari are going to be using theirs to bring their car back to some sort of normality. Uh, how effective that will be, we don't know, but that's going to hopefully give some of those teams the opportunity to be able to redevelop. And then finally, in terms of the race struct, the race weekend structure, um, the Friday events are going to be reduced. Free practice is going to be squeezed in a lot more. There will mm. still be three, there will be still three sessions, but now, the cars will be in Park Ferme following the end of practice three instead of qualifying. Well, it's going to put a lot of onus on free practice three to get your car right for for qualifying in the race. I like free practice two. Like you, you, Friday night, where else would you want to be at home watching three hours of F1 and cars going around and around and around? But obviously, they're trying to make things... They're trying to even up things for the teams. They're, they're trying not to give anybody much of an advantage. But at the end of the day, the, the teams with the resources and the smartest people will still find ways around this, and they'll be at the front of the field. So uh, it's good on F1 for trying, but uh, I still think taking cars off the track is not the way to do it. A couple of interesting pieces are going to be occurring um, this year as well. So the support series for this year is going to be um, especially throughout Europe, will be Formula 2, Formula 3, the Porsche Super Cup. But for the first time this year, the 2021 W Series, the Formula 1 for, for women will be starting this year. And it's going to, it's only going to have eight races starting at the Circuit Paul Ricard. But we've already got a, we've already got 18 drivers signed up for the competition. Well, it's a good initiative to have and, and to have um, the best of the best of the women's drivers driving at these events where the big brass can see their talent. But it's only going to be, it's only going to be worthwhile if we see them move up. If this is as far as they can go, I don't want to call it a token series, but that's what it almost becomes. If they can't use it to get themselves into F3 and then work themselves up from there, then what, then really, what's the point of having them? there like I, I get it and I like it I'm not against the series but to be on that F1 support card you want the women that are racing in this series to be able to be noticed and move up for motorsports one of the few sports where you can have uh, women versus men in the same in the same um, formula in the same cars racing side by side so as long as we can see that that um, maybe the winner gets a, a formula three test or a formula two test and and can and can continue their um, driving career, then I think that's a, it's a great move. I know I'll be watching that as long as Fox has those races on uh, 
as part of their coverage. But uh, Formula 2 and Formula 3 will also change how they work. They don't have as many rounds, but we'll have three races instead of two on a, on a race weekend. So we won't see um, Formula 2 and Formula 3 both on the support card. They'll actually be alternating between the two. So that'll be another big change um, for 2021. I'm, I'm going to be curious to see how this how this um, edition goes here. The only thing I'm disappointed about is they can't get someone like Sabine Schmitz to, to race in this. That would have just been absolutely perfect. And to be honest, she would probably school a lot of them. Well, unfortunately, um, as much as I do, I, I've seen her work on Top Gear. Um, she, she's built herself a brand outside of just racing a car, which unfortunately a lot of the, the a lot of them are young and up and coming, and and maybe still have time to do that later in their careers. But as I said, to, to have someone like that and and to bring their um, and to bring their notoriety into the season and get more eyeballs on it. I'm sure if they could make it happen, they would. But um, I think the the ladies that are out there, and, and I said I'll be tuning in. Um, I just hope that they put on a good show and and can get themselves in front of the the decision makers of the sport and, and keep working themselves their way up the ladder. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that is full time here on Splinters the Bench Podcast, and we're all revved up and ready to go for this F1 season. Mm-hmm. I'd like to thank. My uh, my co-anchor here tonight, Matt Mears, for joining us, and we can't wait for the Bahrain Grand Prix happening in the middle of March. Yeah, just ten ten more weeks of sleeps until we're there. Um, I said the first F1 2021 preview. We want to be ahead of everyone else, but uh, it's great to be back on Splinters. Um, I do apologise that I don't get on Splinters as much as possible, but obviously you can tune into the bench on Fridays. You can tune in at OBs. You can hear me there, but. Um, Hopefully, we'll have some more big things coming up for Splinters, which I'll be a part of um, as we t- continue into 2021. Absolutely. That is full time here, and that is the check it flag down on this episode of Splinters, the bench uh-huh. podcast on Triple H 100.1 FM, streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au, and available for download at podcast.com, Apple Store, YouTube Music, Google, uh, uh, Spotify, TuneIn, and all good podcast sites. On behalf of the wise man, Matt Mears, this is Andrew the Bull Caruso. Run run hard or run home. Good night.